listeners, welcome back to the Hitting Rock Metal podcast. I'm your host, Sally Holder, and boy, are you in for a treat today. Today's guest is Emily Giffen. She is a graduate of Wake Forest University and the University of Virginia's School of Law. So yes, she is just like me, that recovering lawyer. So we have a lot in common. Can't wait to dig into that. She's also a number one New York Times bestselling author of, are you ready for this? 11 novels. I bet many of you have read them, seen them on the big screen. They are novels like Something Borrowed, Something Blue, Baby Proof, Love the One You're With, Heart of the Matter, Where We Belong. I could keep going on and on, but the one that just recently released is called Meant to Be, which I just finished reading and am absolutely obsessed with. We were already talking about it right before I kicked off this episode, so I know we'll dig into that as well. And Emily is joining us from her hometown of Atlanta, Georgia, where she lives with her lovely husband and three kiddos. So welcome, Emily. I'm so glad that you're here. Thank you, Sally. It's really great to be here. I have to I have to just mention that two of my three just left for college. So it's oh, like, oh, I this is the this is um this is a rare smile this week. You know, I'm very excited for them, but um it's been hard. But yeah, two of the two of the three are gone. So then you have twins. I do. I do. They just left for Columbia, New York City. We actually moved them in tomorrow, but they've been gone a week. But um, you can tell what's been on my mind that I start the podcast talking about them. Um, yeah, it's an adjustment. But, um, you know, it's wonderful to join you. And I love that we have so much in common right down to the southern schools we went to. Right down to the fact that I am also a twin. So oh, you are I mean, just I am. I'm not a, a fraternal identical. I, no, I identical. Mm-hmm. Oh, so were my boys. That's, yes. that's really cool. Okay. What are you and your sister a lot alike? Are you, um, do you talk every day? Give me some scoop we there. Do. We do is, is a bond unlike anything else. Everyone tries to compare it to being, you know, a close sibling. And I just have to disagree. It's way closer than that. Um, she lives in Charleston. I live in Greenville, South Carolina. Um, but we are extremely close. Talk Did you constantly. go to college together too? Both, both went to Vanderbilt together, lived together our first three years of college. And then we knew that she was going to be moving to Dallas, Texas. And she began a job with Neiman Marcus. I went directly to law school. So that was the first time we've ever lived apart. Um, oh. So yeah, it, that was a big shock. But, um, but yeah. Just really, really gross. Yeah. And now we're both entrepreneurs. So she owns a women's clothing store. um, What's the name of it? It's called Hamden. H-A-M-P-D-E-N. Oh, Oh, you know what? I've met her. I've I've met her. Did she, like, would she have, she in Charleston? Like, did she, she, Mm -hmm. I still have this little card that she, does she have square business cards? She does. Yes. Oh my gosh. (laughs) You have to tell her I said hi. Um, I will. My Charleston book signing uh, would have been three books ago. And I loved her. And now, you know, I have that thing called prosopagnosia, which is like facial blindness disorder. So I didn't I didn't put it. to. It's like Brad Pitt has it, too. That's like how I make mm. myself feel better. Like, I just am really bad with remembering faces, but I compensate by I, I pay great attention 
to so many other things. But now that I'm talking to you and now that I know you have an identical twin, you definitely like, I get it. I get it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tell her I said, hi. And I still I have will. a gift card she gave me. One of these days I'm going to come into that store and be like, is this still good? <laughs> you should go online. I they know. That's an this incredible is e-com website. Yeah. Uh, well, good for yeah. her. I'm so glad I asked you the name of it and happened to know it. Um, I know. Me to too. Check it out. Tell, tell, tell all your listeners again, what the name of it is. It's Hamden Clothing, H-A-M-P-D-E-N. So yeah. go to hamdenclothing.com and you can shop away. It's shop it it's where I get every every bit of my clothing, my shoes, my handbags, everything. I'm very okay. fortunate. <laughs> so okay. now that we have covered the fact that we have so much in common and yes. that you even know my twin, um, <laughs> I want to hear your background. Why did you, I mean, I know the answer to this, but I'm sure our listeners are wondering, why did you leave this incredibly successful career practicing law to write a book? I mean, oh my Dally, gosh. You know the yeah. answer to that. Um, Maybe do I. You know, I think that there, lawyer, people who go to law school are, you know, we're, we're pretty smart overall. Like, you know, we're academic, like we, we like school, we like to write, um, you know, we, we, and we we're not great usually in math and science or cause we would have gone into that field if, you know, one of those fields, if we, a STEM field, if we had been. So we, there's a whole lot of us who just do this great default thing where that we just, we have our, you know, good grades and undergrad and we have our history or English or French majors and we're like, what do we do? Okay. There's, there's something that you may, might really want to do, but you're like, okay, let me go into the safety net of law school. That's why you have so many lawyers, former lawyers who are now doing other things where I, I, have you ever met other than a doctor who, you know, took some time off to raise her family um, or that sort of thing. Have you like, have you ever met like a, a doctor, like a doctor's like, oh, I used to practice medicine, but now I'm doing X, Y, and Z. Like it's rare. Yeah. Isn't it? Very rare. But, but lawyers, it's like every, all of my friends from law school, I think out of all of them, there are two who are still practicing law of my like 10 closest friends. Um, and that sound, seems pretty consistent across the board with, I mean, you lasted 10 years. I lasted five years. So all that is to say, it's not like I had this like burning passion to be a lawyer for years and then stepped away from it to write. It was the reverse. I'd always wanted to be a writer. I'd written, you know, I considered myself first and foremost, like growing up, like if someone had said, tell us about yourself. Like if they had asked like a young Emily, that question, I would have just been like, I love books. Like I love to read. Like I read all the time. And then, you know, as I got older, I would write little stories and I kept journals and, you know, I illustrated the stories and my mother was a librarian and we moved around a lot and always went to like, um, you know, get our library card, like the first thing when you get to a new town, like what you, you, you get your library card, you find a pediatrician and you find someone to cut your hair. It's like, yeah, those are the things, right? Um, yeah. so, you know, I, in the back of my mind, that's what I knew I wanted to do. Um, uh, but you know, I went to law school and that put me on a path for some time and it, it, I had a lot of law school loans. So I went to a big firm in New York and, um, paid them off in five years and sort of during that time wrote my first novel 
that I should say first novel ever, like not that was published because it um, predated something borrowed, which was my first published novel. So this was a book that I wrote. I got an agent and then I was like rejected across the board by everyone that we submitted it to. So, but that happened over the course of the five years where I was practicing paying back my loans. And at the conclusion of that time, when things didn't work out, um, you know, in terms of like, I didn't reach my publishing commercial goal, I decided that I was going to take a year away from the law, like a leave of absence. I mean, it, I've resi- I, you know, resigned or whatever, but like in my mind, I'm like, I can return, I can get another law firm job if, if after a year of writing a book, it doesn't work out. But I didn't want to take another five. I mean, you know, as an entrepreneur, at some point you have to just take a, like a a risk, a gamble. I mean, it's hard to have like all of your ducks in a row and everything completely lined up. And you're like, there's never going to be like the perfect moment where you're like, well, I have this huge steady income. I mean, I guess for some, if you have like a huge trust fund or something and low risk, but it to me was like, okay, this is time I'm going to do, you know, I'm going to, you know, work and, and write and then work on the side versus working and writing on the side, which I had been doing, which was, what you had to do as a, you know, junior associate at a huge law firm. So um, I kind of went for it and I got really lucky the second time around. And there is so much luck involved. I was talking to um, my friend, my really good friend, who's an author, Harlan Coben. I don't know if you know him, but he writes thrillers and he's, he's, he's written like, I don't know, 30 books by now. He's kind of in some ways, he's my friend, but he's my mentor. Cause he's been every through everything, you know, he's written, he's older, he's 10 years older, all of that. But we were talking about the, 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 the luck that it, that's involved of, of getting published and how subjective it is. And so you really like the manuscript just has to end up in the hands of an agent who believes in it and then who, you know, she has to find the right fit with an editor. So you could have a book that's, you know, a beautiful story, but she submits it to five editors, all of whom have recently acquired a book like that, or maybe it just doesn't resonate with them in the same way that we can all appreciate, you know, these, some films that are nominated for, you know, awards or that do great films, but you're just, it's not your cup of tea. In other words, it's just very, very um, subjective. And I always like to point that out because I know that in every audience and in every, you know, whether it's a podcast or a a speech and at a bookstore, there's going to be someone out there who's likely trying to get a book published. And so I think it's important to, to mention that. I mean, if I can, I go into a little de- more detail on that one point. Sure, absolutely. So was, you know, like something barred. So I wrote. I was living in New York City. I was practicing law. I wrote this book, um, and it was this my second try. And I sent it to agents. And if you think about the timing, it came out in two thousand four. So it was being submitted to agents, and I think two thousand and two. Um, fall of 2002. And then we got our yeses sort of early 03. And then it was published 04. So if, but the timing of that was right after the explosion of this new chiclet genre, which was like Bridget Jones Diary and Devil Wears Prada. So these books that were huge hits and they sort of the genre exploded. And I, if you think of, if I had written something borrowed, maybe five years, eight years before, I think it's likely that it wouldn't have been purchased or if it had been written, you know, maybe five years later when things, you know, were cooling kind of on that front, which is why we part package them and market them differently now, because it's in many ways, like 
they're not chiclet, but that's how it was sold. Anyway, the point is you, you really like, there's, there's a lot of luck involved. So I'm talking to you now in large part because I've been very lucky. No, I, I love that. You know, it reminds me of that plaque that used to sit on my dad's desk, which always said, um, luck is when preparation meets opportunity. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. I mean, you have to work, you have to put in the work to get yeah. the break. Like if I had quit after my first book and just said, ah, oh, forgot it, throw in the towel. Yeah. The, the, that plaque is perfect. I love that. that so what made you keep that. going though? I mean, I, having been through that transition myself, it was extraordinarily hard, not only because I was wrestling with, you know, giving up a big part of my identity because that there's a like, <laughs> I jokingly, but not so jokingly call it like a cult-like atmosphere in the legal industry. And, you know, um, stepping away from it, everyone's like, how, how could you possibly leave? Right. Why would you ever do that? And so, you know, when you're not going to something that is a sure-fired win, meaning right. that the book you had previously written hadn't gotten picked up, and that you're not able to justify to the other people in your field, I'm leaving to go to something that's already wildly successful, I would imagine it would be a really hard thing for you to make that transition and make that particular leap. So I'm so curious, you know, just what do you kind of attribute that ability to were you kind of working on your mindset were you you know had you saved up a slush fund for long enough that you felt secure or uh, were you just like closing your eyes and leaping you know i think it's a number of factors one you know i think i i did have faith in myself i like deep down i felt like i could do it if i kept trying um and i think that is you know I would, I would say that a lot of that's like instilled from our parents or role models or teachers. Like my mother, I mentioned her, she was a librarian, like your writing is wonderful. You can do this. Like, I think you should do it right again. You have other stories. So, you know, I, I think there's, there's part of that. It's there, there's always people in your, you know, my husband, who was my, my boyfriend then, but um, the same, like you can do it. So there's always people who have your back. I'm sure your twin sister was, was that for you and you were that for, for her. And um, so there was that portion of it. The other thing is I joke, I say that, you know, misery is motivating, but, you know, I really disliked the, the law firm culture. I mean, I think there are some settings where I could have been happy as an attorney in the back of my mind, I knew I could go back, you know, I could return to that profession in a more palatable setting, you know, without, you know, working crazy, crazy hours and sort of having no life. Um, but, uh, yeah, but, it, but it, it does motivate you when you're doing something that you, that you kind of hate or you dislike. It's almost like, you know, I, I, what are, I really admire the people who step away from comfortable situations, you know, like, you know, the comfortable, the relationships that are comfortable and, you know, pretty good, but you know, deep down that you're not really in love, but you, it's so easy to get married because man, he's nice to you. And he, he's like, he's, he's pretty good. And it's a sure thing or the job where it's like comfortable. Whereas I think you deserve in some ways less credit for, I mean, everyone has their, their battles and their challenges and everything else, but I think you have less credit when you step away from a law firm job, you hate, or from like the boyfriend who's like cheated on you six times, you know, like that's it's okay. It's time, you know? Mm -hmm. And I guess that kind of equate my situation to the the really bad boyfriend, not the like good one who's, ah, you know, uh, so I think all those factors um, came into play. 
Hey, listeners, we are so excited to share that the fourth annual Brim Retreat will be taking place in Austin, Texas. This is the premier event for female entrepreneurs that are ready to take their business to the next level. Taking place from April 30th through May 3rd, this three-day event is led by expert business coach Sally Holder and perfectly combines opportunities to connect, learn from the best across industries, and fill your cup with exclusive experiences and group activities. This is your chance to join 150 other phenomenal entrepreneurs and get away from the distractions of everyday life. Give yourself the dedicated time, space, and experiences that will enable you to come back and create massive leaps in your business. So are you ready to have your aha moment in Austin with the brim? To grab your ticket or learn more, visit us at growwiththebrim.com. But hurry, because this event will sell out. And also, I think probably most important that I sometimes forget to mention because it seems so obvious to me that I forget to mention it, but I love writing. You know, I loved, I loved, it was what I love to do. So it was something that you, that I wanted to keep doing. And I mean, it wasn't like grueling, um, you know, hard work, you know, it's sort of like the, the athlete who just loves her sport. So she, she, you know, she goes for the Olympics for four more years, even though there's no money in it and she's, you know, she just loves her sport. So, um, I'd say those are the three factors, a great support system and, um, inner belief in myself and, um, the, the law firm forcing me <laughs> wanting and to a get a bit healthy dose of misery. I think yeah, that's a healthy dose of misery. And then, and loving yeah. So I guess that's four things, but. Um, well, it sounds like too, you evaluated, right. The consequences of staying. And I talk to clients about that all the time is that, you know, we can get so fixated on the consequence, the potential consequences of change. And when we do that, we leave out our consideration of the consequences of staying. Um, And we fail to consider that there are many consequences associated with that, like missing out on ever being able to have a book published or creating a, a lifestyle that you love. And you weighed the two and decided the potential pain of change is nothing in comparison to the potential pain of staying the same. That's really interesting, Sally. I think that's very true. We tend, I, I think it's human nature to analyze, well, for human nature for a lot of us, and maybe the most of us are more risk averse than the few who are truly bold. But um, you do tend to look at the downside of, of, of decisions more than the upside. At least I do. I, sh- I guess I shouldn't. I haven't given it enough thought to, to apply it across the board. But I think that I do in many ways. Um, it's just that, you know, I hated what I was doing so much that I like I went for, you know, there was a, the, the day that I left my um, firm, my last day when I was taking out, you know, the box of yeah. your, you know, framed picture, the couple files that you, whatever you want, um, to take out of there, uh, which wasn't much, but, um, there was an attorney, there was a partner who had, had put me through hell. A lot of us through hell, like, you know, the type, um, oh, yeah. just like the, the, the type that's like the calls you when he knows you've just left the office at 10 o'clock and, you know, so that you have to come scurrying back, you know, there were, there were, um, he was sort of, 
there was a character in something bar that was an amalgam of a lot of people like him, like they hated it, that hated partners. But anyway, he, on my way out, I hit the button, you know, I've said goodbye to everyone. And I'm like going to the elevators and I hit the down button and I'm holding the box. And he is walking by in the hallway, like going somewhere else. And he's like, Oh, Emily, you're this is your last day. And I said, yes, it is, you know, smiling. And he goes, you're writing a book I hear. And I said, yes, I am. And then he gave me the two, I know this isn't, um, this is just audio, but he gave me the, like the two fingers out, like the holster, like the two guns pointing at you. And he went, good luck with that. Oh, God. like the most <laughs> condescending, smirky moment. And I remember in that second, like feeling so panicked because I'm like, you know, he's he, he, he the chances are that I won't publish this next book. I mean, you know, the odds are not in my favor here. Um, and if he finds out like he's going to just be gloating so much, but you know, I, I had a, um, a, like a mentor once say to me that you can't live your life worrying about that because people, you know, he'll talk about, he, I probably never crossed his mind again. Um, right. But even if I had like, and even if like the book hadn't published and he found out that it hadn't published, I mean, what are we talking about? Like 30 seconds of gloating over your appetizer. Like that's <laughs> like people really aren't that interested in most other people's lives. So it's like you can't let those opinions and, and fears hold you back. And incidentally, this is probably really bad form, but I feel like this is such an intimate podcast here that I'm going to tell you. Um, he, he died. <gasps> yes. And not Whoa, only that's he, not where I thought it was going. No, Whoa. he dropped dead in the, in the firm gym, but the, the, the part that was, which is like horrible, but the part that was like TV movie, like you're not going to believe this. He ended up having two separate families, the one on the upper East and one on the upper West. <laughs> Can you believe? Oh my. Can you believe gosh. it? I mean, it's the kind of thing you could like write a book about. I think one <laughs> sounds second, like you might need to the second family. Yeah, I could dedicate it to him. No, this is like getting taxed. I'm sorry. I mean, it's terrible that he died. And wow. I feel sorry for the children who didn't know about one another. But um, can you believe that story? So no, talk about like worrying about what someone thinks, you know, when everyone has their own stuff. Um yeah. Sally, you get these, like, I, I, I feel like I've known you forever. Maybe it's because I met your sister all these years ago. Yeah, I love it. Will you text, her, it. Right, will you text her right now? Yes. And text her right now and say, did you, did you meet Emily Giffen in Charleston on her book tour? Okay. I'm texting her right now. Okay. Um, I know that it was she though. Cause she had the little square business card. Okay. And does she have really neat handwriting? Yes. Yes. Okay got her little neat handwriting on it. Uh-huh. it hers is incredible. Is yours mine not? Is awful. No, really? no, mine is awful. Um, okay. no. So you have to I, give us the answer, but hopefully we'll get, she'll text back in the next 20 minutes or so. Yes. Okay. Um, so I, I, yeah, who won out in that situation? Clearly you did. <laughs> I mean, right. There's a happy ending to every story. Yeah. I don't know. He, 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 no, he's um, a little nicer. It's so easy to be nice. Like just be nice to those little junior associates scurrying around. Um, and you know, you remember the ones who are years. Derek, you do not have to be Derek McKenzie was the attorney that was so nice. He was a partner that was so nice. And he is still on my holiday card list today, even though I haven't seen that man since night 2001. 
Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll focus on the Derek McKenzie's of the world and, and not the Bob whose his last name should remain, you know, we won't mention yeah. it. Okay. Exactly. Um, so you eventually write, obviously something borrowed, everything goes magically well. Um, is it picked up by the first publisher? Um, and how does it come to be that it ends up eventually turning into this incredible movie with, you know, Kate Hudson and Anne Hathaway? So it, uh, let's see, I, I wouldn't, you know, it's never as magical as things seem, right? But it was pretty darn close in that case because of, you know, just the experience of writing the other one before and going into it sort of with these like tempered expectations. And um, and we, you know, we, the agent sent, my agent sent it into various publishers. And we, I remember we had two offers and one was for, they were both two book deals, but one of them was for a little more money, but it was in paperback. And the other one was for less money. Well, they, neither one were for, for much money, but it was more money for paperback and less money for hardcover. And so I called my mother and she was like, you have to go hardcover, you know, the librarian in her. So I was like, okay, I, I, I'll do it. And I, I joke that it was the best day of my life because in many ways it felt like it, but I, I joke, I say that to my kids and my husband because, you know, I'm basically saying that was better than marrying my husband and having them. But, you know, weddings are stressful and kids are painful to, to birth. So in some ways exactly. that really was the, the best. That was a wonderful uh, moment. But the movie stuff happened way later. So that was oh, um, two when I found out it was, it was going to be published. It came out in 04 and the movie didn't come out till 2011. So that was a... a you know, wow. By and several books happened in between, but it was, that was thrilling too. It was very surreal and, um, a, a special process. It was great. It was, I mean, you know, it's so different from writing a book where you can control all the details mm -hmm. and then suddenly producers and writers and everyone's and actors are all involved, but I, I love that part of it. I like the, um, the collaborative effect of, of projects like that. Um, I mean, I love the solitary part of writing because I'm an introvert and I just kind of love to be, you know, alone with my thoughts and telling my stories, but it's fun to then emerge from it and go on a book tour or have conversations like this. And when projects come to fruition, um, like something borrowed did, um, it's, it's fun to like, you know, re-enter the world. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you stay motivated after having these 11 books, right? You've accomplished so much. I'm so intrigued by how all of the stories still come to you, you know, how you still stay kind of focused and in it when, you know, you've reached a really amazing pinnacle um, of your career. Well, that's, that's sweet of you to say. And thank you for that. I'm, you know, I feel like there in, in, in many ways, I think that's true, but I think you always, you know, you want to, you just, there's something inside me where I want to write another, you know, write another book or a better book, or I want to, you know, I feel a relationship with my readers and I want to make them happy and tell another story that, that they're going to be able to escape in. And, um, you know, there's just, it's what I, it's what I do for a living and I love what I do for a living. And so I think there's always, you know, there's an ambitious part of me that wants to always write, write the next, you know, the, a, a book that's better than the one before it and, you know, not, but also I just really, um, enjoy what I'm doing. So, 
Um, how do you stay? How do you stay motivated? Um, you know, I've really learned that self care is not originally what I thought it was. Right, I thought it was like pampering myself with things like massages and stuff like that. <laughs> okay, my sister is back, guys. She says that is so cool. Of course, I remember her. Yay! Uh, yes. <laughs> um, I okay. love it. Um, and remembers your square card. Yeah, I have her little square card, and it's she, she's got like she. It was like a she gave it to me as like a little like gift certificate, and then I saved it because I'm like I want to go into that store at some point when I'm back in Charleston, and I haven't been. But um, yeah, I love this so much. I know. Very fun. Something yeah, so fun to ask you what the store was too. It was like, I almost knew what, like that I was going to have a connection to it. I don't know. It's, it's weird. But um, <laughs> what were we talking about? Uh, we were talking about self-care, just oh, how yeah, to yeah. mine. Um, but yeah, uh, reading is one because I realized it's not all of the things that you originally are taught, you know, that women are taught like getting your nails done and your hair done and whatever that doesn't end up filling up my cup personally. Um, so mine is much more about like you were talking about quiet time, solitude, um, you know, reading, um, filling myself with some inspiration, like listening to a podcast, um, journaling, do a lot of that, you know, um, getting out, right. Any frustrations or emotions, I call it rage on the page, just spending like 15 minutes, like getting anything out that's frustrating so that I can move through that particular energy. So all of those are ways where I feel like I, you know, can get to the other side of that kind of thing that's blocking me because I do a lot of writing as well, you know, writing content. So have to be very cognizant of my energy and where I am at the moment when I'm writing. I love that that, though. That's a great answer. And I think you're right that too often we confuse self-care with like a spa day, which is, which some people like, you know, that's great for some people. Uh, I love them. I'm not going to turn it down, but I also know that if I'm really wanting to feel full, like my cup is full, that's probably not the thing. Right that is going to make me feel energized again. I would agree. I would agree. I would agree with you on that too. So you're a few years into this entrepreneur thing and guess what? It's hard when things get tough. It's easy to start feeling like everyone's got it figured out except for you, but that's not true. You are capable of creating anything you want, but nobody's ever showed you how to get there without pulling your hair out. That changes now. The Brim's Revenue Accelerator is the only intimate 12-month group coaching experience created by business expert Sally Holder. Consider it like your fast pass to success. Just like at an amusement park, you can wait in a long line and hopefully get on the ride before it closes, or you can find a better way. Grab the fast pass and get to your goals with ease. So what do you say? You can keep on as you have been, or you can join the Revenue Accelerator and get on your way to five times the revenue growth, along with a community of real entrepreneurs that will cheer you on, hold you accountable, and provide the safe space to get real about running a business. Head to growwiththebrim.com to set up your call and talk with a Brim team member to get signed up today. So what is next for you? Um, are you going? Have you done a book tour with Meant to Be? the book that I just finished reading and absolutely loved you guys. You have to pick it up. Um, Since I travel a ton, I've seen it in many airports, uh, pretty much everywhere I go. 
Um, and I blew through it, I think maybe in two days, maybe. Um, my kids oh. were like, are you done with that book yet? You won't even talk to us. Um, so it's kind of one of those. Um, well, because I felt you. like I was in the midst of a movie, right? And I didn't, you don't want to, you want to finish the movie. You don't want to put it down. So. Well, thank you. That's that's what we love to hear as writers, that you just didn't want to put the book down. It's always a mix of, you know, when someone will say, I read it in one sitting and you think of how many sittings it took you to write it. <laughs> and you're like, damn. But uh, but that's always the goal that that you want someone to be so into the story that it that it takes a really short time to get through it, to, to read it. But thanks. So thank you for that. Um, you know, I did go on a book tour, so it was, um, I publish books every two years. Um, that's different than a lot of commercial fiction writers who publish once a year. Um, but I've found that particularly with, with three kids, maybe it'll, maybe I'll be faster now that two of the three are gone, but, um, I keep saying gone. They're just at college. I shouldn't say gone, (laughs) but they're not here making messes and taking up like, like space and emotional energy in the same way, which is so devastatingly sad. Um, I was a freshman in high school this year and I'm just, I feel like it's a minute before, before he leaves. So my daughter's a freshman too. So that's, yeah. So we're kind of in that she's, Mm -hmm. she's had COVID all week. This is, I don't know if that you can relate to this story, but she had COVID on Tuesday. She called, didn't feel well had us come pick her up. She tested when she got home. She was positive, positive, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, she misses. She just 30 minutes before this podcast came into my, my bedroom, waving her negative stick and said, can I go to the football game tonight? And I'm like, okay, wait. And she, and I said, no, you can't go to the football game tonight. She said, well, why I'm negative. I feel fine. And I said, well, you didn't go to school today. And she said, I know, but that's because I just tested now. And I said, oh, imagine that you just tested at the conclusion of the school day. So yes, it's, um, it's an, it's an oh, yeah. spot that we're in right now with, with ninth graders. But, um, anyway, I do public boundaries. So two years ago, there was COVID. So it's been four years since I was on a book tour. Long-winded answer, but I did go on the road and it was wonderful to see people again after being, you know, not able to do that for so long. Um, and now I am starting my next my next book, which will be due next fall. And then we'll come out again in the summer of um, 2024, I guess. Even, wow. even years, my books come out. So... Um, yeah. And we're working on, um, the same producers who did something borrowed, um, are, are developing the lies that bind, which is the book that I wrote before this one, um, as a, as a limited series. Um, and, um, I read the pilot, which was written by a, a, a amazing writer. And it's, it's, it's so good. I kept forgetting that I had even written, read that I had written the book because I'm just so enthralled in the writing of her pilot. I'm like, oh yeah, these are my characters. Um, so it's, uh, it's exciting. So between those things and, um, getting my kids situated in college, um, that's, that's kind of what's been going on right now. That is so exciting. So give us just a, you know, bird's eye view in to the like life of a writer over the course of a week. What does that experience kind of look like for for most of us? You know, it's kind of a, a foreign land. So yeah. Um, well it's, you know, it, it varies with the cycle because 
you know, there's, so for most of the time it's, you're writing the book. So for most of the time that's, and I'm very slow, I guess, in the scheme of some writers who published a couple books in their lifetime, maybe I'm not that slow, but again, compared to commercial writers, I'm fairly slow. Um, and so I, I, you know, the kids go off to school, kind of do, do a few things in the morning and then sit down to write. And it's usually like a, it's kind of a nine to five job for me. Um, you know, I write most of the day, uh, so it's not as bad as lawyer hours, but it's definitely like, I can't crank through a book. I mean, some people write like maybe two hours a day and they just are, you know, they, they're much faster. Um, and so I do that. It takes me about a year to write it. So, um, and then at the conclusion of that, um, once it's written, you send it to your editor, you go through all the edits you, that takes several months and then you gear up for, you know, publicity and marketing the tour and all of that. So it's kind of like three, uh, three jobs and the, the three phases of writing a book are so different. Um, you know, then you're, then you're, you know, my assistant and I are tying pink ribbons around books and putting them in the mail and compiling, compiling our lists and doing a lot more, you know, podcasts and, um, conversations like this. So it's, it's, um, it's a, it's a varied landscape, which I like, um, but mo for the most part, it's solitary and it's like, it's very slow writing and, um, and I, and I love it. I, I really do. How many more books do you think you have in you? Do you want to you keep know, my, going? Is the future just long? You know, my son just recently asked me that. And I said, well, how how long am I going to live? You know, how long will I, <laughs> until I like start slipping mentally? Um, you know, I, it, I think I'll keep writing for, you know, until I really can't anymore. I mean, I think maybe I'll slow down if I'm, you know, in my eighties, I might slow down if I get lucky to live that long. Um, it may be a book every three or four years, but when you're enjoying what you're doing, you know, why stop if you don't have to, it's an advantage of being yeah. a writer over like say a professional tennis player where you have to step away from it at some point. Yeah. Where do you see the book industry going? I mean, there have been so many changes. Um, and, you know, I've heard varying opinions. I would love to hear what you think, especially with someone who is an aspiring writer out there. You know, do you think that it's still going to carry on in the same way? Or what do you see? You know, I think it's harder to get people's attention to read books. I mean, there's so many, you know, there's... There's Netflix and Hulu and shows streaming and your phones and Instagram. I mean, it's definitely there's more competition in the in the marketplace and things that they're taking readers away from books. But I think that there's, you know, we'll always have books and we'll always people will always want fiction. Um, and and the readers who, you know, people who read are very like, you know, loyal to to reading and to books. And so I'm not worried about it, like going away as a, you know, shrinking completely. I think that, and I think there will actually always be paper books too, which I prefer over electronic ones. You do too. I cannot, I cannot do the Kindle. Cannot do I can't either. I can't, I've never yeah. done it. I mean, I've picked it up before with someone else's, but I just don't like it at all. Sally, we are so much alike. I know. Uh, I like to underline books and highlight flat so pages I. and quotes. Yeah. And yes, I can't do that. I, I have trouble parting with really any of them. You know, there's. You know what has helped? I got a little library. I have a little library outside our house, and it's helped because 
I like to be a good librarian and keep the um, selection fresh and vibrant. And, you know, when people put like really, you know, books in there that no one's borrowing, I like, you know, I then give the, give them to Goodwill and replace them with something more enticing. I like there to be circulation in the neighborhood. So I have to start that. I am going to copy you on this. Really such a good idea. Yeah, it is. It is so fun. You like kind of curate your little, you know, you have your collection and you want to please the, you know, your, your patrons, you see the car pull up and you're like, Ooh, so I, I will often come into my library here, my office and pick out a few, if, if, if I'm low on, uh, you know, books in the little library, I'll be like, well, I guess I could part with this paperback from 2012, but oh, I don't really want to, but I'll part with it and hopefully they'll return it and I'll get it back. Yeah. I recommend it. It's great. That's fantastic. So, um, anything interesting that you have learned about yourself during this writing process? You know, anything that kind of has... You mean the whole, the, the, the writing process of meant to be or the whole journey here going back in time? Either, Either one. Yeah. Well, I think every time, you know, you, you, you undertake a project that feels very overwhelming in every book that I write, you know, I'm starting my 12th now, 13th, if you include the one that wasn't published, but it feels... It, overwhelming, intimidating. There's a, there's some fear and it's very universal. I've talked to enough. I have enough friends who are writers and who sold more copies than I have and are more, you know, acclaimed. And so writers from all different backgrounds and they all, we all feel the same, like that fear and over, you know, that, that, that feeling of what if I can't do it this time? I mean, even your question, what if the jig is up. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like what if it's just been this great imposter syndrome? I mean, when you ask that question, what keeps you going? I almost like felt that little, that little gulp of like fear in me. Like, I, I don't know, maybe this will be it. Maybe this will be my last podcast, but, um, yeah, it's just, you know, you just have to, um, overcoming that and remembering that, that, you know, every day, like, you know, you have to sort of, you have to just sort of keep going and be the best version of yourself every day. I think just the long distance race aspect of this, the, the, the is, is something that I've learned that it doesn't get easier, but you, you, but you, your faith in yourself grows and you start to focus more and more on what matters, what doesn't. Um, and you just, it's a bit of a seesaw, right? Yeah. That's what I tell people all the time. Yes. Yes, it is. It's, I mean, there's always that fear and there's always that self-doubt, but you have enough experience to know that it can be overcome. So I think that's the, that's the real difference. Like I've been down the road enough and I'm, you know, old enough and experienced enough to know what to do with those feelings, which is to just, you know, you face them, address them, but then put them aside and say, you know, you can just to keep the voice in your head. That's, that's like, keep believing in yourself, keep telling yourself you can do it and surround yourself with people who uplift you. Um, in some way or another, I mean, you don't want like just a, a bunch of friends who are just cheerleaders committed to you, but who inspire and uplift you in some way and aren't dragging you down with their toxic, you know, energy, um, I think is really important. So I think I've, I've learned that and that, and that, that they're, 
there's ups and downs to everything. I mean, I've had ups and downs in my, in my career and, you know, books that have done better than others and um, think parts of it that I've enjoyed. There's been hard times and, you know, leaving my one publisher and going to another that was very sort of traumatic and difficult. And, um, you know, there's a whole business side to publishing, which can be challenging and, but it's, you just have to sort of, you know, take it a day at a time, do your best and try to, um, be positive about everything. I sound like no, I Pollyanna answer, but it's the truth. No, that's great because I think, you know, so many entrepreneurs, especially at the beginning, believe that once you get to a level of success, like the success that you have achieved, that, you know, the expectation is either one, I, she has absolutely no more imposter syndrome and isn't experiencing it at all. She has no fear or when she started out, she had none of those things. And that's the difference. And so we tend to put the people that we idolize or the people that we want, whose careers we want to emulate on this pedestal and believe that they don't have any of the things right, that we struggle right, with. And, right. and we all do, you do. Yeah, it's yeah. just getting into the deep end of the pool and saying, forget it, I'm going to go for it. And, you know, you just start to swim and then you yeah. get better and better and better at it. And, you know, it, it, right. yeah, the ups and downs still come, but yeah, for sure. Um, no one's immune from it. Right, I guess right. that's what I'm trying to say. Um, yeah. So I love that you're honest about it. Yeah, for sure. You know, I, sometimes I'll just sit here thinking like about, you know, I have to create, I, you know, I'm creating something out of nothing. How will I do it? How do I do it? And then I think of all of the, you know, the, the musicians out there and the, you know, there's that people, you just do it. You know, you just, you believe in yourself and you get it done. And it's also, you have to keep telling yourself that it's, it's not magic. Like you can't just sit at the lap, your laptop and have your fingers fly in a story. Wing. Like it takes work. You have to like put in the time and the effort and then you're going to have good days and bad days. And, you know, um, the songs that you listen to, you love are the result of a lot of, you know, blood, sweat and tears from, from, um, and, and same with books and movies and, and everything else that comes at us creatively. But, um, uh, I love this. It's been such a great conversation. I know, Sally. I love it too. I want to meet meet you and your sister in Charleston and go shopping and hang out and uh, read it. Yeah, that, I would really okay. love to see you in person. But um, but thank we're going to make that happen. Okay, good. Well, thank you so much for having me, and um, I appreciate all your listeners joining us as well. Yes, and just another commonality. Stacy and I actually lived in New York for a summer and took classes at Columbia. It's a lovely university. Oh, you did? Oh, we good. Did. Yes, good. Or you, did, you did you stay on campus? We did not. We actually back then stayed in Alphabet City, believe it or not. Oh, that's East Side. Yeah. Right next to Tompkins Square Park. It was quite sketchy 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, that's a, that's a hike. A little now. Yeah. It's a little it bit of a hike. But an adventure. An adventure. It was fun. So, Lots of fun. Um, so what is next for you and... You know, if our listeners want to stay involved with you and your world, yeah. and obviously they need to go and pick up your latest book, the one I'm obsessed with, um, meant to be, but how can they get involved with you? I'm sure they want to be on your email list so that they can know about oh, the next well, following book coming out, et cetera. I would love for, for them to join, to join me. I'm on, um, I'm pretty active on Instagram. I have two pages. One is, um, at, 
Emily Giffen author. And it's, um, you know, I just do a little bit of everything and there's a lot of my kids and life. And it's sort of like my page that I would have, even if I weren't writing books. And then I have a book called a uh, page called EG book club, which is just for books. And we pick one title. I pick one title, um, uh, uh, a month and we, um, I, I chat live with the author and, um, it's a lot of fun. It's sort of, you know, just, just one of those other book clubs out there, but definitely join, join me there. Um, it's EG book club and our next pick, which we're discussing a week from, well, no, on Monday is Catherine centers, the bodyguard, which is a fabulous book. So pick up a copy of that. Um, and yes, I hope you read meant to be so, um, yeah, join, join me there. And I'm on Facebook and Twitter as well, but I, I prefer Instagram. It's like the happiest of the three places, don't you think? I totally agree. I just can't seem to get into anything else. Plus, yeah. I'm like, I'm old. All this social media stuff came along too late for me to kind of dominate anything other than Instagram. I can't handle too many of these social media things. Yeah. Well, Instagram is the way to go then. Everyone come on our Instagram pages. I've just followed you on both of those accounts. I cannot wait. Um, well, thank you, Emily, for spending time with us, for sharing your process and all of the behind the scenes in what you do. We really appreciate it. Well, it's my pleasure, Sally. Thank you for having me. And thank you listeners for joining us in this latest episode of the Hitting Rock Metal podcast. Again, we hope that this made your business and your life just a little bit better. 